Today is Wednesday. It's June 21st. Happy first day of summer. It's 2.32 in the afternoon, and I'm John Williams. This is the Mincing Rascals podcast. Thanks for finding us. Share us with your friends. Give us a good rating. And listen for portions of this broadcast Saturday night at 8 o'clock. On WGN Radio, you can hear me weekdays from 10 to 2. Hi, I'm Neil Steinberg, columnist of the Chicago Sun-Times, blogger and occasional author. I'm Eric Zorn, the publisher of the Picayune Sentinel, a Substack newsletter. You can write to me at ericzorn at gmail.com and I'll sign you up. Occasional author, are you working on a new book besides your last book? I am, but I set it aside. Um, just you know, I had that big piece in Cranes, if you saw, and... Uh, you know, and I've started writing for Rotary as well. So there's only so much work you can do. And nobody wants the book anyways. So, um, <laughs> Oh, you mean you're having trouble p- selling it to publishers? Uh, well, University of Chicago Press wants to see it, and i got to show it to them. But I got bored with it, and I'm writing it. So I, I set it aside. <laughs> That's not a good sign. If the author's bored, I, how are you going to talk, uh, talk yeah, to Yeah, I, I don't know. i gotta, I got to try to juice it up a little bit. I, I think I told you this, Eric. It's a companion book to You Were Never in Chicago. Right called You're Always in Cleveland, about growing up there and sort of a history of the city. And Cleveland's a very interesting place, and I certainly have a good perspective on it. But my market is people who care about Cleveland. It's, that's kind of tying your hand behind your back. I don't know. You've been able to make subjects that are singular seem broad and appealing. No, I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I'm really having fun with it, honestly. But it does, it sort of dredges up my whole family and everything. And so it, it, it really is an uncomfortable place to be. And I just thought, you know what? I, I don't have to do this right now. So it's been sitting right, right here. It's right here. One of my favorite books, Boomtown, is about Oklahoma City. Oklahoma right? City, right? Uh, well, it certainly needs a book. There's not a whole lot about it. Well, good luck to you on that. we got lots to cover today and a little less time uh, to do it than usual. I'm curious about the timeline set for a Donald Trump trial, and will the Hunter Biden plea agreement affect the 2024 election? We'll get to that. And how fortunate for the president's campaign and his son that, well— That story has made news. All the news this week has been overshadowed by the story of the Titan, the submersible that at this moment is lost in the North Atlantic with five adventurers looking for the Titanic. And more locally, Neil wrote about the cost of going to see NASCAR in Chicago next weekend. I want to start with NASCAR. Today's column kind of shows my thinking. I was like, well, maybe I should go down to this. And I was trying to, and I thought... Do they sell tickets or something? And you go on. <laughs> Do they sell tickets or something? It starts at $269. And I just thought, what? who does that? You know, I wouldn't do it for free. Or, I mean, again, I'm not, you, you don't want to make fun of someone's, I mean, people obviously love this. And so they're, and, and I'm getting, I, I hadn't planned on actually running my responses, but I'm going to run them on Friday. I heard from a lot of thoughtful. I Nasdaq. did too. I did too, because I read from your piece. May I just quote you to you for just a second here? Please, please. You started out saying, so NASCAR. The National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. Neil, you write that like nobody's ever heard of NASCAR before, but thank you for spelling it out. My readership. Roaring around downtown Chicago in less than two weeks. A nightmare I've come to think of as 
Lori's Revenge. But you said it's going to be quite a commitment to expensive folly. And pardon me for asking you, Ro, is Lori Lightfoot even going? Or has the former mayor already decamped to Cambridge, where she sits at a window, tapping a pencil against a yellow pad, puffing out her cheeks, gathering her thoughts about leadership? Sorry, so you're right. Monday. Got to hit there about leadership. <laughs> leadership. Yeah. I know. That's what I she's going to teach. Well, leadership at at Harvard, no less, right? At Harvard. Okay, yeah. so Monday. Never mind on Lori. With June suddenly two thirds over, I you began looking ahead and had this thought: maybe I should go to see NASCAR. And then you talked about what you discovered on the cost of going to see NASCAR. Honest to God, Neil, I was thinking, you know what? I've talked about it a lot. I should go down and look at this thing, too. So I thought I'd park in my spot. I even got a parking spot. I could just walk over and watch some. I thought right. I'd see him go by. I'd find a vantage point. What Thumbs are you in un- your armpits kind of, you know, seeing it go by. Wrong. But you can't. You've got to pay to see. And what did you discover? $269. It, it's like Lollapalooza. You get a wristband. It gets you there. And, and, and Minimum. It gets you for the second day, which sort of blew my mind, too. Like, like you'll spend a day watching this and go, I'm going to come back tomorrow. Well, I, I'm, I'm really curious. I had to say, I had this uh, stunned reaction because I was thinking when in, in Neil's column, he basically says, you know, you read along and then he says, I went to the website, you know, go check it out now. So I did. Um, I did, too. Because I was trying to think, okay, what are the prices? I was trying to think what what would be the a fair kind of admission price, general admission price? I was thinking more like 40 bucks, maybe. That was sort of my guess that it would be for just general admission to get, in, get into the park to watch the cars go around. And the price just it blew me away how much they want. And, and, I'm, and I wonder why people are willing to pay that much to, to see this. It just, it just didn't make any sense to me. It's well, like – it's and, like so outla- I mean, it's not like I mean, I know people were saying, "Well, Taylor Swift costs a lot of money." Taylor Swift puts on a great three-hour show. This is cars going around in circles. Oh well, I- okay, but but clearly, then you guys and maybe me, although uh, less me than you guys, are not in the audience. Like, guess what? If you said go to NASCAR or go to Taylor Swift, I would go to NASCAR. So everybody's got their thing. But but Neil writes this. Did you like me see that page and think? They charge for this? We shut down the heart of Chicago for a month so a bunch of speed freaks can chase each other's tails, and regular Chicagoans are expected to pay money to watch the proceedings? That's like, this is my favorite paragraph of the week, Neil, that's like your neighbor setting up an enormous inflatable bouncy castle on your front lawn for his kid's birthday party and then trying to charge your children admission. That analogy works. This is our I lawn. They're using it. Morning, we have to pay to go see it. That's ex- that's the problem here. Well, look, there's a. I mean, I'm not a Chicagoan, but there is a default city dweller's view towards everything. Whether it's the Olympics, whether it's any given event, it's like, can I get from point A to point B? Is this going to inconvenience me? And I do feel a little guilty. So, but on the other hand. The, the logic of this is like, hey, this is going to get people in Tuscaloosa to suddenly open up to Chicago. That, that's not how it works. Yeah, you know, we've done this before. We hosted the Bassmasters Classic in 2000. The only reason I know that is because I had to spend the day on the boat with Gary Klein uh, uh, fishing for bass. 
And I don't, you know, I don't think that got people from the from the Southland to start coming up here. They don't even think well of us. See, but that's the point. This is a better ad for the Southland. I mean, really, NASCAR has a bigger audience than bass fishing. This is a big deal, even if you guys don't like it. And I, I completely agree. I mean, look, I, you know, I, I have to write my column. I mean, I, I don't like it when people come to me and they're like, oh, you see the opera? You're insane. So, you know, it's easy to diss. And I wasn't, if you noticed, I wasn't dissing it in the sense of saying that this is a stupid way to spend your time. Every way to spend your time is stupid, more or less. Um, <laughs> but it just, I was just dumbfounded again at the cost, that it, it cost that much, you know, $50, 60 whatever. It just, it seemed like you know, it's like when you went to Hot Dogs and it was four hours to wait in line to like, it's four hours for a hot dog. It's not that you don't like hot dogs, you know, it, just, it seemed like something was just off the scale. Okay, off the scale, maybe. Say you're going to spend almost $300. If you're going to bring a, a buddy or a spouse or a kid, now you're 600 to go watch the cars, and that's entry level. If you want to sit in the grandstands, it's closer to 500 a person. And if you want access, like, to some of the cool places, you're at well into four figures. And I couldn't get into this, but when you when you read what you get, one of the things you get is the right to go buy food. And they try to spin it that the wristband like allows you to like you don't have to take out your credit card or something. But it, and I thought, my God, it's you know, the taste of Chicago's bad because you're spending twelve dollars for a trough of curly fries or something. But they're charging you two sixty nine to go buy the curly fries. You know, they they it did seem sort of over the top. And that's why I checked Wrigley Field, because Wrigley Field is expensive. And you can take five friends for what it costs to get in the door there yourself uh, at NASCAR. And again, I, you know, I, I heard from a lot of thoughtful readers who ponied up the money yep. and are going and they explained the deep American love and passion in cars. And, and look, I, I, I like to drive fast cars. I get it. Um, and, you know, again, I, I, I'm 63 and I somehow managed to blunder through life without watching a continuous minute of, of NASCAR racing. Um, so I can blame them, I suppose. I'm glad you own that perspective. It would be like you or I dissing opera because we don't know or like opera. But Which that- lots of people do. So if they, if they can do that, nobody seems to, to pause and go, on the other hand, perhaps you think of it the way I think of bass fishing. Well, I, you know, the, th- the thing about prices being so high is that it's not going to entice the casual fan. It's not going to make new fans. You've got to be a pretty hardcore fan of NASCAR to be ponying up that much money to watch this event. Yeah. So if the idea behind NASCAR is we're going to go to these places and we're going to show people how cool this is, uh, it's, it seems like a wrong-headed kind of move. Uh, I certainly hope that they sell the thing out and yeah. that the city makes a bunch of money yeah. and that tourists who are coming up from wherever, Tuscaloosa, is that where we're at? That uh, that's, that's the city I grabbed. City of the day. Uh, and they spend lots of money here in Chicago. And, and let's hope that that happens. But as a local, and I, you know, I understand that they use Grant Park for Lollapalooza and, and charge admission for that. And it's, it, 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 that's, that doesn't bother me. And in fact, these prices don't bother me because I'm not going. I, I just think right. it's, it's stunning. And I'm really glad that Neil pointed that out. I hadn't seen that reported anywhere, which is kind of strange. Well, so that's, that's a funny thing. Originally, the, the beginning of, uh, the beginning of the column today blamed the media, you know, for, for, for covering up the fact of the price. But as soon as I wrote that, I looked at my email and Axios had dropped a, a report on the price. And so I didn't want to seem to be oblivious. So because Axios uh, 
uh, in between the time I wrote it and the time I posted it dropped the same thing. I, I, I backpedaled the failure of the media to, to put, you know, that should have been our red headline a month ago. Oh, well, but it, but it wasn't. But it, but it was not. I mean, as much as I talked about it. And by the way, the people that are have come to Chicago to run this thing have not been entirely accessible. They're sort of doing as they need or want to do without asking me what my opinion of it was. I just want to go back to the price for a second. I got this. So we read from your column, Neil, on the radio today. And maybe like you, I got a, a, a lot of reaction. And it was very polarized. A lot of people said, thank you. That's insane. And another, and a lot of other people said, this is our jam, man. We do it once a year. Um, some people go to Vegas. Some boys go on a golf trip and spend $1,000 at an Airbnb and they play Greens Fees. So this is my thing. Hey, John Williams, you think the tickets to the Chicago NASCAR are high? We are in Las Vegas, said one of my listeners, and the tickets for Formula One Grand Prix grandstand prices start at $2,500. The skybox with shared hospitality starts at 10000 Standing room grandstand prices 500 This is just crazy. But we really are judging other people's priorities when we say, who are you to spend $400 watching NASCAR? Well, first of all, I don't criticize anybody who does it i don't imply they're wasting their money i don't you know it's my column about me and so i mean a lot of people there's several people written and you know as as if i had taken my ignorance and condemned no it's a matter of the surprise aspect yeah okay um you are you're at 7-eleven and you pick up a can of some new soda and they say that'll be a hundred and fifty dollars mr williams and you go i'm not paying that and then you're not damning the soda. You're not condemning people who do. Maybe it's really good soda. You just you're sort of surprised because that's not what you expect to pay. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I grant you that. Your column did ring that way. But Eric, don't you think that? In fact, if the casual fan who watches it on TV, and that's me, in Chicago, is not going to come down and watch it at those prices, I'll bet you the grandstands will be full. I'll bet attendance will be strong. I'll bet that people will come from Missouri or southern Illinois or Naperville, that it it will shine a light on our city. There will be butts on the benches. I I hope you're right, John. I hope that that's true. Uh, I wonder what happens if it's not that big a success, if they don't make much money, if the city doesn't make much money out of it. Uh, Neil in his column compared the prices in Chicago to prices at other sort of more standard NASCAR races, and, and they're much higher than that. I mean, I just, this, I'm not sure this, the comparison to the Formula One race in Vegas is as apt as the ones that Neil made in his column. They were a lot lower, right, Neil? You're reading somewhere else there, Eric. What are you reading? What do you, what's your source I, on that? Maybe it's I, Richard Roper. We get compared a lot. <laughs> no, Roper was panning today Asteroid City, but maybe he wrote about that as well. No, well, that's I, too bad. I, something called Pit Row Terraces, Neil wrote, begin at $1,265. And what is the Pit Road Terrace? Open air deck with great views of Pit Road and the start-finish line, which makes you wonder where plain old general admission gets you. The same open air, one hopes. If this isn't as grand as we hope it is, and I don't think the best-case scenario is the city gets the money out of it that they should. If Lori Lightfoot cut this deal... I think she looked naive. I don't think we're getting enough money out of this. Regardless, we're in for two more of these the next two years. We, we could spend the rest of our lives puzzling over Lori Lightfoot and why she did what she did. 
But this one's a real sort of thumb sucker. It's like, why commit yourself for three? I mean, Bassmasters only came here once, and nobody was begging for it to come back. So, would you, would you, you know, we, this is not the Bassmasters. Well, I compare them. You know, you I know that. Bass I think that's apples and bluegills. That's uh, that's those I, are. This is Southland culture, though. Which, by the way, I, I do like country music. You know, I don't. I don't want the, to to have this be a. Uh, you sound a like of all things Southern. I, I paid money to see. Uh, Montgomery Gentry at the Grand Ole Opry, and it was money. Well, I didn't spend two hundred and seventy-eight dollars, but uh, and you also uh, gave a shout out to Miranda Lambert in your college. Well, today. that was because of your your colleague uh, uh, Steve Chapman. Steve Chapman loves her, and he he, I, we went to to Tellender's place up in Nottingham, and he was so raving about her that I downloaded some albums, and she's really good. <laughs> you are just finding out about this. You sound like such an urban snob, Neil, and you're I not, not a, a snob. snob. Uh, you're not a get... snob. But you're I'm urban. Just, I'm naive is what I am. Okay, you're an okay. urban I'm an naive. I'm a, I'm a naive. A naive. This column is not the Jedi Council. It's my reaction <laughs> to stuff going on. And and I, I don't want people to think that I'm making claims. You know, I, I sometimes write people back. I say, you know, I'm only responsible for what I write. I'm not responsible for what you imagine I wrote. Let's make predictions. Like, do you think this is going to be a success? Or if I, like when, when we step back, say, in the yeah. middle of July and go, did yeah. this, was this a good idea or not? Uh, what's this? What is the the civic response going to be? I mean, we we all in this panel may have our own opinions, but what is the general feeling going to be from the city? I think People we do have to wait until we see it on TV because that's how most of us are going to consume it. If we get good TV coverage, if it's fun to watch, if the stands are full, you know, if if it's a good two hour ad for Chicago, then I, I will judge it to be. A positive. So I'm guessing it will be net positive. I think people will flock to it and will be well attended. I think the the uh, opportunities for something to go wrong, for some tire to go bounding into the crowd or something, are fairly high. And so uh, I just think we're not the place for this. I think that after this is all said and done, the city is going to have a, a hard, take a hard look at itself and wonder why we did the three-year deal. Yeah. And we're going to wish that we're not doing the next two years. And we may have Mayor Johnson trying to wriggle out of the next two years because I think there's going to be <clears throat> traffic headaches. And I think that, that when people look at the net result of this, they're going to say, not worth it. Let's not do it again. As Chicago boondoggles go, this will be a pretty short-lived one anyway. I said, I mean, have him get out of the parking meter deal. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not another 72 years. I know. Yeah. People, readers were like, make have Brandon Johnson stop. And I'm like, no, that's not how the law works. No. We're on the hook. Adventure travel. These five people are... Um, quite possibly on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And it, as we sit here now, does not look good for them. The T-minus clock is under 18 hours now of available oxygen. This conversation is going to become dated very quickly. Some of you will be listening to it after we expect we know the fate of these people. But what's jumped out at you guys in this story? We're never going to know the fate of these people. I, I think they died the moment they disappeared and that we're, you know, that we're never going to hear they're, they're in the trackless ocean somewhere. Um, and, and, and the other thing is that this is now going to become a much more popular thing because the, the, it's like Mount Everest. It, it, the, the people dying doing it are only going to make more people want to do it. Speaking of throwing things away. Wow, that's a hot take there. I don't. I can't imagine people will want to do it after this. I, I, I think this would put an end to these submersible vacations like this. Um, but the thing that strikes me is that apparently, as as we're speaking now, they're hearing noises. They're hearing 
banging noises or some sort of signal that the people in the suburb may be trying to send out. And in some ways, I'm I'm hoping that's not true because I'm hoping I, I have very little confidence they're going to find these people alive. And you hope that they died quickly and they weren't sitting in that suburb. Was they had 96 hours of oxygen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so and they after the first two hours or so and things were going really wrong to have to go for another 94 hours uh, knowing that you're almost certainly going to die would be really, really awful. And so you sort of hope that maybe there's something sudden happened and and, uh, that that it was quick because, boy, an ending, a 94-hour bit of torture at the end would just be so horrific. So, yeah, I kind of... I guess I say I have to hope that they you, you hope hope for a miracle that they're found, but but that seems really really unlikely given everything that I've read about it. And so you hope that that when they find them, they'll discover that they died quickly. When you do think about this as adventure tourism, I think of about it the way I do people that try and climb Mount Everest or go into space. Part of the lure is the risk. It's such an avoidable casualty. So it's terrible that these people have suffered. It's a nightmare for all of us. But there's something foolhardy about it, too, to me. I, I hate to say that, but I I just think there's a part of me that backs off and says, what the hell are you people doing down there? You can watch videos on YouTube of the Titanic and really high-def video. What are you doing? But no, you wanted to be down there, and you're a billionaire, so you get to put yourself in harm's way. Uh, we're all horror-struck by this, but it's an invited casualty. I don't even share the horror-struck thing, John. I think that's overly dramatic. I think they they were they were risk takers. They did they did. I mean, it was a patently dangerous thing. That that's why I think they're all dead. Is because they, they, those news reports about how the window was only good for fourteen hundred meters and they're down at four thousand. I mean, you know that they shrugged off uh, uh, people who were warning them that things like this were going to happen. Um, I, I think it's thrilling enough to wake up and walk the dog. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I, 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 when you mentioned Everest, I did a book on failure and all the expeditions. That's why I think it's going to increase interest. You know, why did we care who the first man to climb Everest was? You know, Sir Edmund Hillary. Uh, we cared because there were thirty years of people trying to do and failing it. So, you know, I think failure. You know, I, I do disagree with Eric. Uh, this is going to goose interest. They, they're going to be one of the poor people who make it. And yeah, I, the reason I don't think that's true is because when you're climbing Everest, you feel as though you have agents. <clears throat> yep. You feel like this is up to your skill. When you're in, you're in that damn pod, you have no control at all, right? You're going down, it's like, you're just a passenger on this thing, you, you, whether you're fit or. Is that like a spacecraft, though? I mean, when, when people see some SpaceX rocket blow up, they still spend a half million dollars to sign up for the next flight. I get okay, that. so we're, we're marking down our predictions here. Um, we don't have to argue. We can just find out. The, the idea of doing it wouldn't appeal to me at all in the first place. But now I'm horrified by the idea. I'm horrified by the thought. Uh, of any of me or anyone I know being down in in, in a submarine, I, I'm guessing there's going to be some movies made or about this, some actual you know fictionalized accounts of this. What's what's happening? You'll need a creative scriptwriter because none of those people are going to come back to give you any indication of what happened. Well, they you made. can imagine what it would be like. And I'm with you, Eric. I do think that you have agency when you're climbing Mount Everest or walking across the South Pole. You feel like. If it goes bad, at least I've got a chance, and it'll be upon me. Here, you're just taking a ride in a tube. Frankly, that's why I've not understood myself the the, the desire to go up into space right now. You spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, 
You're up there for a few minutes. You float around. You went for a ride. You're not an astronaut. Here, here we can connect this back to the NASCAR tickets. I, I think you know you and I and Eric are coming from the the place of people who work for a living and are kind of you know basically in grunts, and we don't realize how much money a lot of people have, and the money's nothing to them. And maybe that's the thing we're not thinking about. You're sitting around. You've already accomplished everything. You are a billionaire. Hey, for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you can lock eyeballs on the Titanic. Sure. The amount of money we're talking about is not that great, right? Uh, relative to the wealth, for them. Of some I mean, of these it's, it's quarter have. quarter of a uh, quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. But for them, it's like that's stuff they find in the in the sofa cushion. The shower door. If you've got so much money, you're so bored with life that you have to do that, then maybe a billion dollars is a bad thing. Remember Steve Fawcett and the balloon and 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 he was going to circumnavigate the world. I don't know if he actually did it or not, but I remember going to the control center, the, the command post that he had, and the self-importance of it, the ego, the self-assigned significance. I mean, that that's something which is really noxious as well. As you, you're not just a rich guy on a lark, but you're part of the scientific, the, the 2023 Titanic expedition, blah blah blah. I mean, I, I mean, I do think there's a lot of narcissism. In a way, maybe maybe it's a cosmic payback. The hope that they would be found. I looked up other famous rescues, and when all seems to have been lost, sometimes these stories end well. And here's a few examples. The four Colombian children found in the jungle after 40 days having survived that crash. That was just a few weeks ago. Right. What a remarkable story. You had the earthquake in Turkey, 7.8 magnitude. A six-year-old girl was pulled out after 177 hours. You had the Thai soccer team, remember from a few years ago, the boys trapped in the cave and were floated out. What a remarkable story that was. Midland, Texas, baby Jessica, 1987, pulled out of the well after a couple of days. Maybe the first real-time example we had of following the news and a tragedy and being on your seat's edge. And that's what this feels like. I think that's part of the lure tour. We're hoping all of this cynicism aside, we're it's hoping- not cynicism. Look, I, I'm not. It's not that I'm hoping they're all dead. I'm just saying is to me, I, the, the the event I would pull up would be the Malaysian air crash. The plane disappeared, and we never found out what happened. The ocean's a really big place. Twenty-two feet is really small, and if they're down very deep when the whole thing crushes down, I just don't think they're ever going to see that again. You know what there's going to be? The same way there was a search for the Titanic, there's going to be a search for the people searching for the Titanic. This will be the new Titanic. I'm not being flip. I think uh, we have a very real curiosity about what's happened here. And when we and when we do, let's hope that I mean, let's hope that they're found alive. But if we do end up finding them years from now. I'll bet you that some of them have taken the, the opportunity to write some things down. Maybe they have mm. their phones with them. Maybe they have tablets that they would have, have offered some last thoughts. Uh, I think it's going to be really chilling. Uh, and, and, you know, the other there's lots of mine disasters and so on where they have very little hope of finding anyone alive and then they don't find anyone alive. I mean, you can pull out examples of both, but I think it, I think Neil's right that the fact that the ocean is so incredibly vast that an airliner can disappear in it <clears throat> that the idea of finding this little 22 foot sub is is pretty pretty small right now 
One of my listeners did remind me that this week, somewhere between three and 500, I think it was Afghan refugees, trying to get to Greece. Their boat overturned, as often happens, and they were all lost at sea. It was 300 lives. And this listener said, I would be more interested in their stories than these self-important rich people who want to have an adventure and it goes bad. Where's the coverage of that? I've heard this. I have to react to this, John. It's a false equivalence because it's not like we sit around and then decide what the most significant thing is i mean you've got these people who disappear it's a mystery it's a rescue it's happening right now um i i think it's it takes a certain kind of of whacked out perversion to go up and go you know what what about heart disease and what i mean saying is it just it seems to me uh, it, it doesn't help their case. It doesn't say anything about human nature. It, it, it shows an ignorance of human nature. Wait a minute. There's well, a girl well, stuck it, in a well in Midland, Texas, and there's this whole thing. Why are we focusing on her and not and not Priscilla, who who, who needs a new heart? And, and the answer is because we're human beings, and that's what we do. Okay, but it does say then something about human nature. And we're suckers for a good story. We're suckers for adventure and drama, and for things that are different. Okay, if 30 people every day were dying in submersibles trying to get to the Titanic, we wouldn't care about them either. I think that if it was 30, I think if it was four researchers or five who died doing research in the Atlantic, but it wasn't the Titanic, I also think that's part of the novelty of this. There's still a fascination. That's why there were those people there. If you said, hey, there's four or five researchers who who died or may die out doing research in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you're going to write what else you're going you to see the Lusitania. I wouldn't know and care. I, I think or, there's some truth to that. In the Bermuda Triangle, looking for downed single-engine aircraft or something like that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's the Titanic factor. There's also uh, the, the billionaire factor, right, that all these people are extremely wealthy and that that adds a certain level of, of interest to it. And uh, but but it, and it is the novelty of it. It's the idea of the, of this small sub and these people lost in the ocean and uh and you know yeah you're right they're they're missing people all over the place and and we're not paying attention to them but that's that's the way the news business works okay that's the end of those two topics neil you can tap out now thank you so much sorry to have to run this is fun let's do this again soon eric we're overdue for lunch yep keep writing neil all right i got to it's my job (laughs) i I hope to see you soon too at any time i'm always happy oh i meant to talk to can i pitch something at you real quick yeah july 1st is the 10th anniversary of every god day i know you can't say it on the radio but you literally are the only person in the media who would pay attention to it i would uh, somebody um, sent me an email this week or text message to go, what's that book Neil Steinberg wrote about all of the days? So I gave you some love on the radio. And what is the anniversary? Uh, July 1st, which is what? It's a Sunday, Saturday. It's when it's you're going to be at NASCAR, Neil. You're going to be standing, peering oh, over right. a fence downtown trying to watch the cars go around. So maybe the Friday before, maybe the 30th or whatever that is, the 29th. You want to come on and talk about your favorite days of the year? I'd love that. Okay. No, but no, but he's he's talking about his blog, not his book. No, oh. his, blog, his blog debuted. The blog is going to be ten years old on ah. the first of July, which is, which is really ancient. About missing a day. 
Eight, which is ancient for a blog, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, and, and usually they've succeeded or failed by now. And mine just sort of keeps on going on sheer cussedness. Isn't it yeah, funny it, that blogs or podcasts are now what blogs once were? Everybody had to do one. Have you read my blog? Have you read my blog? Now it's have you heard my podcast? But right. you're still blogging and blogging I'm still well. Blogging. I, I think it'd be interesting to hear a, a take on what on the state of the blog because there still are some really excellent blogs. Rich Miller's blog, for instance, uh, Capital Fact. Uh, is a terrific source of information, and and um, a daily reader of Neil's blog also. But newsletters and podcasts have kind of begun taking the, s- some of the steam away from from actual blogs. Well, you're swimming yeah. upstream and succeeding, Eric. How is the Picayune Sentinel doing these days? It's doing well. It's doing well. I mean, I'm making about half what I used to make at the Tribune, which is, you know, it's okay. Wait a minute. Uh, income or readership? What do you mean you're income. making Income. Oh, income. And readership is, is as high. Wait a minute, you're gen- uh, pardon me, you're generating income off your Picayune Sentinel newsletter? Oh, yeah. I know yeah, it's yeah. a subscription service, but you can also yeah. get it for free. Yeah. Uh, and you're making half what you made at the Tribune. Yeah. Was that yeah. your plan all along? Did you think, oh, no, this will- I, I was hoping to pay for my health insurance during my uh, <clears throat> before I added a Medicare. Uh, I was, and it, it, it did much, much better than that. I am thrilled well, for you. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. wildly successful. Like, you have no idea how impressive that is. That is very yeah. impressive. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm real happy with that. Um, and, uh, and, and as far as readership and response, it seems to be really similar to what I got at the Tribune because the Tribune wasn't, it wasn't like into, it was promoting everybody. And so they would say, here's a link to Zorn's column. Yeah. But I, I'm out there sort of beating on it in social media and, and I've got my own little, little crew of readers and so in terms of the amount of email i get the amount of comments i get very similar okay bye-bye guys we'll talk to you soon bye neil we'll have lunch soon take care bye-bye yeah and you can buy eric zorn and you can buy you know for those of us in the broadcast side who are no longer broadcasting every day and they say well i'll i'll stream my radio show from my basement or i'll do a podcast that scratches that itch I do not know of anybody who has come up with a successful from radio go to the streaming. People like Joe Rogan, of course, I don't think he came from radio, but he makes a boatload of money with his with his podcast. So let me ask you about Joe Rogan for a second. So he's trying to gin up this debate on his podcast about the safety of vaccines. They're trying to get this one doctor to come on who says the vaccines are safe because they are, but then he's got a detractor who says they aren't. And, you know, he's just the guy who says, hey, I'm just laying it out there. I'm not judging. Let's hear both sides. Like two plus two could be nine. So I wouldn't give a lot of oxygen to that. But there is Robert Kennedy Jr., who is polling at about 18 percent among people who identify as Democrats. It's interesting to me to see that somehow right now, Kennedy seems like he matters. I don't think he's real. I think that fascination with him is based right now on his name. There's still some of us who still remember the Kennedy name. Uh, You know, they... even with with Teddy Kennedy and and of course Bobby was killed in sixty eight and and uh, JFK was killed in sixty three, but there's still this Camelot thing that that happens with basically among boomers and that may be where some of that support is coming from. Once you start examining some of uh, RFK Junior's crackpot ideas, uh, I think you will run screaming from him. And oh, no, I, and I think he, you will Biden, run screaming from him. I think that's I think what's propelling. But that's what's propelling him. I think he's at eighteen percent because he's got those crazy ass crackpot ideas. I don't know. I don't think so. I think that when those become much more, when people actually have to sit down and vote, when they're going to, I mean, Biden's not going to give him. 
debate time. He's not going to give him any oxygen in debates. And so the media is going to cover his crack pottery pretty well. And he's not going to be any kind of threat to Biden in the primary. I don't think Biden's going to have to campaign in the primary season. He can just run the country and and let uh, RFK, maybe he'll get 10% of the vote. But at, at the end of the day, I doubt it, though. I think most of the appeal that he has is not from Democrats so much. He's 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 more Republican in terms of some of the, the skepticism he has for stuff. So I, I would I don't think that's real. I think it's an illusion based on his name. And if it were if it were some other candidate without the Kennedy last name, if it was, you know, Robert F. Smith, Jr., no, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't be pulling it. I wonder if, though, that does open the door for a Gavin Newsom or some other people who are more viable candidates to challenge the incumbent president. And then you do have a real primary. Well, I would like that to happen. I, I, I'm, I'm really afraid that Biden's age is going to be a, a real handicap for him in this in this election because it's not just that people think he might not be up for the job, but they feel like when you're you know, when you're 80s, you can die i mean it's like people die in their in their early to mid 80s it's not that uncommon and so and so and and kamala harris his vice president is not particularly popular and i don't there's, there's not a chance in hell that he's going to drop her from the ticket so i and i think that may end up discouraging his voters and it could be a problem for him i would like to see a, a challenge to him on from the democratic party uh and someone like newsom or jb pritzker for that matter but i think most of them have lined up behind biden already so I doubt that's going to happen. I think the Democrats are just going to cross their fingers that he that Biden does not make any horrible gaffes and that he uh, runs a good campaign. And are they also going to hope then that Donald Trump will be his opponent? I think they are hoping for that. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things. I've said this before. I was hoping for Trump to be the nominee back in 2016 because I thought Hillary was going to beat him in 50 states plus the District of Columbia. And of course, that turned out to be totally wrong. And so anyone hoping for Trump to be the nominee has got to realize there remains a chance that he could be elected again as president and i think that would be really really a disaster for the country so so in in a way that that uh that any other candidate that's running would not be so the judge that is overseeing the trump case has set an august date for the trial to begin it's expected that's going to be delayed because there will be delays offered by the former president. Talk to me a little bit about the last week's worth of news. Is his support waning or flagging a little bit? I don't think the polls are showing that. I, I thought that Brett Baer did a pretty good job <laughs> on Fox interviewing him and trying to hold his, hold his feet to the fire on some of these questions. And his answers were not very persuasive. Which uh, I saw some of that. Which ones are you talking about? Well, he was saying that, that uh, these documents that he was referring to in these recorded conversations as, as classified and top secret were just news clippings. And you were recorded saying that you had a document detailing a plan of attack on another country that was prepared by the U.S. military for you when you were president. The Iran attack plan. You remember that? Ready? You were recording. It wasn't a document. Okay. I had lots of paper. I had copies of newspaper articles. I had copies of magazines. I know. This is specifically a quote. You're quoted on the recording saying the document was secret, adding that you could have declassified it while you were president, but, quote, now I can't. You know this is still secret, highly confidential. And the indictment cites the recording and the testimony from people in the room saying you showed it to people there that day. So you say on this, on tape. It says just the opposite. That you can't declassify. So why have it? What I said, when I said that I couldn't declassify it now, that's because I wasn't president. I I never made any bones about that. When I'm not president, I can't declassify. That's what you said. You didn't declassify it. I I said, no, no. I said I couldn't declassify it. But that wasn't a document. Brett, 
There was no document. That was a massive amount of papers and everything else talking about Iran and other things. And it may have been held up or may not, but that was not a document. I didn't have a document per se. There was nothing to declassify. These were newspaper stories, magazine stories, and articles. I'm just saying what the indictment says. Well, they, the recording people, and the look, people in the room who these testified. These people are very dishonest people. He, he is so used to just snowing people with with his bullcrap that that uh, and people just go, oh, I, you know, I can't. But you can't do that in court. You can't say, oh, we said classified documents and said top secret, but they were just news clippings. That's you, know, you can say that on TV and, and, and your your ovine viewers on Fox News will say, OK, you know, that's OK. Uh, I believe that. But th- it's not going to hold up in court. And and some of the things that he says may be played back in court, that the prosecutors may be able to use some of this stuff from these from this interview. So I. I mean, he just he can't help himself, and he's so used to snowing people, and it's just not, it doesn't work in court. It doesn't it? Just doesn't. It's interesting that when they do talk to him about the documents, he acknowledges the documents and then says things about them, true or not. But then he's giving the prosecution proof, if you will, that he knew he had those classified documents. It would be best if he just wouldn't do these interviews and make them prove it in court rather than giving them more evidence that he knew what he was having and how he was handling it. And he's painting himself into a corner with his open mic policy about this. I I thought that the Brett Bear interview was interesting because, and I think this needs to happen more often, he challenged him on the 2020 election result. What do you say to that female independent suburban voter who feels that way to win her back? First of all, I won in 2020 by a lot. Okay, you let's know, get that straight. I won in 2020. You know that. This, and if you look at all of the tapes, if the you look at shows. everything that you want to look at, you take a look at Truth to Vote, where they have people stuffing the ballot boxes on tapes, or President, let's go to recent. Well, wait a minute. Let's go to recent. FBI, Twitter. Let's go to recent. The 51 agents. All corrupt stuff, Brett. Understand about the all, Hunter Biden. Well, no, but that's all cheating on things, the election. But that's cheating on the election. You lost the 2020 election. Uh, Brett, uh, you take a look at all of the stuff ballots. You take a look at all of the things, including things like the 51 intelligence there were, agents. There were recounts in all of the swing states. There was not significant right, widespread We're trying fraud. to get recounts, real recounts, not just numbers of votes Widespread cast. corruption, there was not a sense of that. There were lawsuits, more than 50 of them, by your lawyers, some in front of Freddy, judges, Freddy. judges that you appointed. Look at Wisconsin. That came out with Wisconsin no evidence. Is, Brett, Wisconsin has practically admitted it was rigged. Other states are doing the same right now, and it's continuing. It was a rigged every election. potential case of voter fraud in six battleground states and they found fewer than 475 cases you know why because they didn't look at the right things okay are you going they were counting they were counting ballots not the authenticity of the ballot the ballots were fake ballots you had this was a very rigged are you going to go this is how you're going to tell that independent suburban woman voter we're we're off to winning an election and i think we're winning very well uh i got a poll just recently i have it here no no no, i know i was happy to see on any platform but particularly fox them just challenge him on that fundamental thing you're living in la la land or you're lying but dude you lost the election Come on now. You you got to give us that. He resolutely won't. It's like it's um 
days after the election, and there were still all of these possibilities. He's still hanging to possibilities that don't and never did exist. Yeah, I don't understand that tactic, and it's been one that he's used in a lot of different areas in his career where he never apologizes, he never takes a step back, he never adjusts course. And that's his hallmark. And like I said, it may work with voters. I think that we talk about the polls and whether it's he's slipping. My guess is that there are a lot of Republicans out there, people who you know, you and I know, fine American people who may have voted for him in 2016 because they couldn't stand Hillary Clinton. And now they're, they've got to be rethinking, do we want four more years of this narcissistic craziness that he brings and is that going to dry up donations is it going to dry up is it going to make people just stay home on election day uh i don't right now see another challenger to trump coming forward out of this raft of of republicans who are running i don't think any one of them looks strong enough right now to take him on because he does have a have a base you know this base of 30 whatever it is percent of the of the electorate and that's going to put him over the top in most of these primaries because the field against him is so is so fragmented uh, so i don't see that happening but i, I my guess is that he's not going to get more than 50 percent in most of the early primaries when voters have have a have a say and that if we had something like ranked choice voting mm. that he would probably go down that I, I i do believe that most republicans are a little wary of, of running him again thinking only probably thinking only trump is going to lose to biden that uh, these other candidates probably would beat Biden. And and that's it's that's a interesting thing to think. Right. It, and the dilemma is but only Trump can win the primary when there's that many in the field. Right. So I mean I think that's the state of play and I don't think that's changed that much. It certainly we certainly saw that he got a lot more uh, uh endorsements. I'm not sorry not endorsements donations. <laughs> he did. After he did. after his indictment <laughs> and uh, and it didn't seem to damage his poll numbers from what I've seen. The, the, his poll numbers remain high. But, uh, you know, if he's and this trial is probably not going to take place in August. You're right about that. But it may it may take place in January. I don't know. It, it, you think about how long ago Ed Burke was indicted. Was it like was that 2018, 2019? It's been years since. I think it was since in 1918. I think it was actually over 100 Alder- years ago that we've been working former, on. <laughs> former Alderman Burke. I mean, it's like so justice, the gears of justice grind very slowly in the federal system. Well, that's I, why I was so encouraged that the judge said, OK, August, go. Even though they'll naturally have the right to appeal certain things and challenge certain things, at least she seems to want to expedite things. I would love to see it in this calendar year, Eric. Oh, yeah, I would, too. And I think it would be kind of unfair of them to do it next year when the when you're they're actually campaigning but. right that, that's a good point i mean so if if the feeling is that this looks all that more political as you get closer to the next election all the more reason to expedite things to streamline the appeal process you know to be very conservative in your judgment of all of the machinations that trump might try and utilize to drag this thing on i mean if she really wants to conduct a fair trial rather than give them every opportunity better that she says no we need to do this now because it's really going to be hard to be fair closer to 2024 she's a trump appointee and she was uh i'm not holding that against her well i and she was roundly criticized for some of her early rulings because she made made a bad judgment did she make that bad in his well it had to be in somebody's favor 
caregiver. Here's what I'm hoping. I know this sounds ridiculous, maybe, but maybe it was a bad judgment in and of itself and not because she thought she owed the former president a solid. It's possible, sure. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, I I think that they should expedite this trial. They should get it done by the end of the year. Uh, He may be facing more indictments. The Georgia case looks like maybe even a worse case than what's what's going on here. So so it, it remains possible to me that they could get this done. Again, if he's convicted, he's just going to play the martyr. I mean, he's going to play. He's going to play it for all it's worth. He's not going to admit that he was guilty. He's not going to plead out, for instance. No, but he could be convicted and still run, and he could still win as a convicted man, right? He could, and he could pardon himself. I think legal scholars disagree about that, but uh, it, it seems like the presidential pardon power is enormous, and that they, I, I'm, I'm afraid that the Republicans are going to get in the office. The Republican president may take office and pardon everybody involved with January 6th, including Trump, for everything. Is it Donald Trump that is proposing this or somebody else? But clearly two of the candidates have already said if elected, they will pardon Donald Trump. It's sort of like, we'll all make a pledge not to raise taxes or all make a pledge to do something. Do we all agree that we will pardon Donald Trump if he is convicted, and at least that gets you over that speed bump if you are running on the Republican side. Is that is that what Republican voters want though? Is they want someone who they want someone who will just flagrantly disregard the rule of law? I don't think they do, but we're playing a primary game here. You know that idea that we all get the candidate we deserve or the president we deserve? If Donald Trump, say, is tried and if he is convicted and people still vote for him, I will weirdly champion that cause because we get whoever we want. We get whoever we deserve. I neither want nor think we deserve it, but that's the will of the people. That's the country I live in. I don't have to love it. I don't want to suppose that my view is better than your view. So if you want a convicted felon to be president of the United States, you should have the right to do it. But I hope we all won't choose that. uh, How do you feel about a foreign born person? Because that because uh, if you if we wanted to elect a foreign born, well, the law doesn't born, allow for in, that though in Kenya. No, no, the constitution doesn't allow for it, and 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 I, I, it doesn't allow for someone under thirty five to be elected president either. And in Illinois, you can't run you can't run for state office if you've uh, if you've been convicted of a felony. But problem. what are you but saying? But but those are all laws that prevent somebody. There's no law that prevents Donald Trump from running. Right. right. I mean, I think I think that's fair enough. I, I, I agree with you on that. I just feel like that. I mean, there are other laws that restrict the opportunity that voters might have to vote for who they want to. So, I mean, oh, yeah. Well, if I had to. Well, yeah, I get that. Um, I in principle, I like my idea <laughs> that is you ought to be able to vote for whoever you want. But What about this? I thought this was going to get some traction this week. The New York Times, at least, was reporting that maybe the information that was in those documents was so sensitive that it can't withstand a public airing. That, in fact, maybe even jurors should not be able to or allowed to see this because the documents are so sensitive. I wonder about that. But then the idea was, just something I read Sunday night maybe, that the president would be able to cop a cushy deal. He would be able to get a good deal from the prosecution because everybody would agree that we can't try this case because of the nature of the documents. And the president would agree to something and the charges would be dropped. Haven't heard a word about that since. Did you hear anything like that? I haven't heard that. And I doubt that it's true because I think that you can redact documents and have people from the government testify to the, why they're secret, what sorts of information has been redacted and why that's important. 
and the jurors can take it into account. They can say, well, we never saw the names of these, oh, of the, yeah. uh, the, the countries or the, or yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we never saw it. So we, we don't believe these were classified, but if you have, you know, document experts from, from the Department of Defense and from other places saying, yeah, this is the, the, the here's the documents. These are blacked out and here's why. As a juror, I would believe it as a juror, but maybe there's some jurors who won't. I, I don't know, but I don't think I don't think that's so much of an impediment. No, uh, there won't even be TV coverage inside the courtroom. And you and I have a mind that these things should be televised. That if ever a case should be televised, it would be this one, right? Oh yeah. And but and be. but it, but as far as we know now, nobody has said that it will be correct. As far as I know, yes. I, I mean, federal court. Trials are never televised. It's, I don't think there's ever been one televised. But that's at the that's the prerogative of the judge, right? No, I don't think. I think federal By law. Federal, think I think they just don't have cameras in federal court. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think so. I, Boy, I, I don't understand never, that. I don't understand that. I mean, certainly not from Chicago. We've never had any corruption trials. Televised. I think the more important the case, the more it should be. T- like, oh, I agree. I totally agree. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard should not be televised. <laughs> Donald Trump should be televised. Just one quick thing before we do wrap it up, because we tapped around this and didn't spend any time on it. Hunter Biden has agreed to plead guilty to two counts of income tax evasion and a gun charge. I guess for about a week in 2018, he had a gun at a time when he was a known drug user. And I guess as a drug user, he wasn't supposed to have a gun. So therefore, he violated the law. He's not going to go to jail. I'm not exactly sure if this impacts 2024 and his father. I think by that time, even if you know you want to try and make hay out of that, I think that ship will have sailed. Well, I've mixed my they, metaphors there, but you get my yeah. point. <laughs> they, certainly, they certainly tried to make Hunter Biden an issue in 2020. You got to remember that the federal probe into this began in 2018 when Donald Trump was president. And when Joe Biden won in 2020 and took over in 2021, he was repl- he replaced many U.S. attorneys with picks that are more in line with his views. But he left the top prosecutor in place in Delaware, one who was appointed by Trump, to avoid any appearance of impropriety. Attorney General Merrick Garland left them alone, and Merrick Garland was very clear he wanted them to follow the evidence on Hunter Biden wherever it led. This is where the evidence against Hunter Biden led from a Trump-appointed prosecutor. So everyone who's bellyaching about, oh, you got such a great deal, uh, and and this is a terrible thing, they're missing so much. I, I I think that's just false and i don't i'm not saying that hunter biden's a great guy i'm not saying there might be a few more things about him that and i think and i'm not saying that his deal with the uh with the energy company in ukraine was was anything less than hinky but i don't think that it it really touches on joe biden and i don't think that that uh this kind of attack is going to go anywhere that uh you know the what the republicans seem to be wanting is for someone to weaponize the justice department against the biden family and that's just because they think that the Justice Department has been weaponized against Trump. It's just so sad that we're unable to to take at face value what what these prosecutors are doing and what they've what they found. And I, you know, I take it at face value that that they looked into Hunter Biden since 2018. And this is what they've come up with. And this is what they can prove. And that he's going to plead guilty and that a federal judge is probably going to sign off on a, a very light sentence. And I hate to go down the what about arguments, you know, because if you said, all right, so the president's son did that, but then, 
you could volley back with, well, what about Jared Kushner or what about Ivanka Trump or what about Don Jr. and either deals they cut or hinky things that they were able to use as a result of their father or father-in-law being president of the United States. So what about those kids? But at the end of the day, Hillary Clinton isn't running for president now and the president's son, Hunter, isn't running for president now. So while maybe that's embarrassing, I just don't see the relevance in these things. They don't, I don't have either. to matter. Well, it has to connect directly to Joe Biden. It can't be that yeah, his son was was a crook or sleazy or whatever or whatever he was or took uh, inappropriate pictures that were stored on his laptop or was a drug addict. All these things are are there. I think a lot of Americans. A lot of voters, a lot of people in the world have family members who have gone astray. They can relate to that. They don't feel like, like okay, because my son or my brother has has drug problems or, or marital problems or anything else, that therefore I'm a bad person. They they understand that that there are black sheep in every family, and so so I don't I don't think this is going to unless they can draw lines directly to Joe Biden. Uh, right, unless goes anywhere. unless he was cashing in on it somehow. Donald Trump's brother was an alcoholic, his late brother. So it would seem to me like we could just sever all ties from the two candidates and just say, let's assess you based on your character, your intelligence, your political track record. That's what should matter. Just you and me today, Eric, with uh, Neil visiting with us briefly. Yeah, I loved having Neil. I loved having that uh, conversation about his column, which was terrific. So. And I enjoyed Anna DeVolantis' uh, conversation last week. Some of you reached out yeah. to us. You can always email me, John Williams, at WGNRadio.com. I know plenty of you reach out to Eric Zorn at gmail.com. Feel free to reach back out to us. But uh, a lot of you commented about Anna's inclusion into the panel. And uh, she bumped into me in the halls today. She was too busy to join us today. But I think she will again in the future oh to make make time oh by the way john this is doesn't have to be on the on the podcast but the the saint genevieve people reached out to me yesterday and it looks like it's going to happen they're going to have the river valley rangers on the saint genevieve and uh i think we're all invited so let's uh let's make a date that's your son's bluegrass band he plays the fiddle and plays it really well uh, oh, you, he's great you play he's it great. well he's ex- he's worth He's worth actually driving to Ottawa and getting on yes. a riverboat called the St. Genevieve. Do you have a date for that? No, they don't have a date yet, but they seem to be really on the on the cusp of working that well, out. Well, let's so. you and I promote that on this podcast, and uh, we'll announce the date. You'll be there. I'll, I will inter- We should introduce them. We should welcome the mincing rascals on the St. Genevieve and now say, and now here's... The River, River Valley, Valley Rangers. Rangers. River Valley Rangers. <laughs> All right, we'll so. do that. We'll do that. All right, cool. Thanks, Eric. All right, Thanks, Neil Steinberg. Then. We're also produced by Ben Anderson and Pete Zimmerman. I'm John Williams, and we'll drop another podcast on you next week. All right, that was fun. I'm going to leave that in there. Okay. Just yakking about it, so great. Thanks. Thanks, John. I'll talk soon. Subscribe to the Mincing Rascals podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Music Store. You can now also follow us on Spotify, or you can keep listening online at WGNRadio.com. 